Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. So glad you're with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton, Jonathan Moulton, Jakob Swanson making the show happen for us today. Dylan Taylor, our great production assistant. The chairman of the board is David Reed. If you're listening across the Outkick radio network, we say hello to you in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, uh, Florence, Alabama, with Fox Sports Shoals. Uh, hello to Fox Sports Knoxville and to Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland. We also say hello to John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. Time to hit the NFL headlines, recapping Week 14, which wrapped up last night with the Rams' victory over the Cardinals. Looking ahead to Week 15, which will be impacted by COVID positives. Uh, now 37 reported yesterday and upwards of 60 uh, by the end of today if you combine the last 24 to 48 hours. John, hope you're doing well down in Houston. I'm doing very well, except I have to watch uh, what may be the worst team in franchise history, and I'm writing a column for tomorrow on TexasSportsNation.com for all the people here who think they've suffered for two bad years in a row. They don't know suffering. I'm going to tell them about some other teams that were 2-26 and 26 over two seasons. Do, does Sunday's matchup against the Jags determine the, the true bottom dweller of the National Football League in 2021? Well, that's going to be Detroit. You know, Detroit has a half-game lead on those two for the first pick. I looked at the Lions schedule because I thought they might be able to eke out a victory, but they got a lot of injuries. They got a lot of COVID-19 issues. I see them losing, see them losing out, getting the top pick, using it on defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson. That's he's the top pick. That means the Texans, if they lose to the Jaguars, just about secure that second pick. They'll be in the running with the Lions because the Texans are not going to win any of the others. If they beat Jacksonville and Jaguars are two and a half point favorite, it was three and a half. And if they did win that game, they would sweep the series and they would have one more victory. So that means Jaguars would get the second overall pick. So Texans are bad enough. They're going to get one of the top three players, but this game against the Jaguars, this is big. I wrote a column today. It's the most important game of the season for the reasons I just talked about. I'm leaning Texans over here, John. Uh, Jaguars team I saw was way worse than uh, than anything I, I felt about the Texans this year, granted from a distance. And I saw the Texans, the mighty Texans, roll in here and win. This Jaguars team was atrocious, way worse. On Sunday, when they went back to rookie Davis Mills, the Texans were within six points in the fourth quarter. And then defense just cratered and gave up two long touchdown plays. And defense has no prayer unless they force turnovers. They had 10 two games in a row. They have won in two games in a row since. And uh, Seattle beat them. Mills looked pretty good. 
So maybe they'll fool around and win it. I'm looking at it. Mills, 67th overall pick, third round. Trevor Lawrence, first overall pick. But man, oh, man, do the Jaguars have issues off the field. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Texans end up with the third pick, if uh, they can continue to avoid turning the ball over. But I'm excited about this game. I haven't been. I was excited about the Titans because I got to come to Nashville, and I didn't care about the Seattle game, other than seeing a former Titans media relations director, Dave Pearson, who's been with the uh, Seahawks now for 20 years. And but this one with the Jaguars, I'm eager to see if you know a few hundred fans bother to show up. Want to see Lawrence and Mills, but mainly I want to see who loses. John, right now, the top three seeds in each conference have identical records, all nine and four for the top three seeds, the Patriots, the Chiefs, and the Titans in the AFC, all 10 and three, the Packers, the Bucks, and the Cardinals. Uh, what do you make of what's going to happen down the stretch? We're, we're all paying attention to seeds six and seven for the wild card, but the number one overall seed is going to be quite the battle, too, in both conferences. I was really disappointed in Arizona's performance last night playing the Rams. They beat the Rams in L.A. They've been unbeaten on the road. And then they come in and stink it up like that. And the Rams now are one game behind them in the uh, NFC West. Green Bay, if the season ended today, would have home field advantage. I looked at the Packers' schedule. They should be able to win out. You know, the MVP race is down to Rodgers and Tom Brady. Both teams are 10-3. and three. And uh, it's, it's amazing because right now, 26 teams are within one game of the playoffs, and only teams have been eliminated, the Texans, Jaguars, uh, Bears, Giants, Lions, and Jets. I have a feeling that we're going to get really familiar with uh, with all of the tiebreakers, like two or three tiebreakers deep. You mentioned how many teams are within a game? 26? 26 of 32 are within one game of the playoffs. Yeah, that, that's we're going to know – NFL tiebreakers by heart by the end of this. We covered some bad teams there. We got Colts and uh, Patriots this weekend, both off of buys, well-rested. New England, hottest team in the league, seven straight wins. Colts have won four out of five and are coming on strong. You think there's a chance for Indianapolis here, and uh, and how how big a matchup is this to you? Paul, I think the Colts are going to win this game. I mean, I don't think they're a threat to beat the Titans and win the division since the Titans have swept the series, but they're going to run Jonathan Taylor. Their goal is to shut down the Patriots' running game. Darius Leonard said that. Shut down the running game and make Mac Jones pass. Buffalo couldn't do that in the, in the snow and the wind in Buffalo, which I just – can't imagine that you can't stop a run and force a rookie quarterback to pass if you commit enough people to do it. It looks like the Colts will do it. The Colts, of course, will try to control the ball with Jonathan Taylor, but you know Bill Belichick will come in with a good game plan for Jonathan Taylor. I think the Colts will win it, and I think the Colts will end up with one of those wild card spots, and uh, I think that's good for the AFC South because they got two of the dregs of the NFL at the bottom of the division, battling to see who finishes as Pond's gum. John, where do you fall in this big controversy Controversy of the Dallas Cowboys bringing their own heated benches to Maryland uh, to take on the Washington football team? Is this 
brilliant uh, by the Cowboys? Is it pretentious of the Cowboys? Is it mocking the lack of, of functional facilities with Washington? What, what do you think about all this? It's probably all of the above, Chad Lack, because they won the game so it looks smart. And didn't help Dak Prescott have a good game, though, I can tell you that. Maybe it helped Micah Parsons. Maybe it was perfect for Micah Parsons. who's going to run away with NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year award and might get votes for an NFL Defensive Player of the Year. But uh, the Cowboys withstood a furious assault to win that game, which basically wraps up the division. But uh, I didn't know teams were allowed to do that. But I have covered Oiler games in the past in bad weather, like in Cleveland, where they played every year, Cincinnati, where they would have things go out on their bench that the other team would not. And uh, so I'm, I think it's actually pretty ingenious for Jerry Jones and his crew to do that, especially since they can say it was brilliant because they won. John, this league has a funny way of turning things uh, upside down the moment you think you have it figured out. And especially this 2021 season, we've seen that time and again. And a classic example was last night. The moment I think Arizona is starting to pull away, they're definitely the best team in that division. They're a team that's going to win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. The Rams are fading a bit. They're overhyped. Matthew Stafford and the Rams go out and play great and went on the road in Arizona. What would you make of that performance by Stafford and the Rams? And do you buy that the moment we feel like we're figuring things out, things get flipped upside down? Without a doubt, Chad. That's the way it is. And that's one reason I love the NFL so much, and fans do, and it's the most popular sport because right when you do think you got it figured out, you don't. And every time you think, well, I'll never see anything like that again, you see something even more preposterous. And I still, I'm still not buying the Rams as legitimate Super Bowl team. I don't see them going into Lambeau Field and winning the NFC Championship game. Arizona, I, I you know, you want to buy into the Cardinals, but, man, last night they did not look good. Kyler Murray didn't look good. You know, they, they could have had a Hail Mary at the end, but uh, I, at least they made it exciting recovering the onside kick. But um, I, I still think Green Bay and Tampa Bay are the two best teams in the NFC, and it'll come down to them. And it comes down to, I mean, John, does it comes down to the quarterback play for both of those teams because Kyler Murray, had, he hasn't had many off nights or off Sundays. He did last night, did not look good. Um, same for Matthew Stafford, who's gone through a stretch of turnovers. He was turnover free last night. The Rams won, but you can't count on that week in and week out. You can count on Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Wonder how many people last night bet against the Rams when they found out Jalen Ramsey wouldn't play, couldn't cover DeAndre oh, Hopkins. Sure. I did. They're tied in. Tyler Higby didn't play, so they run out and they, they bet on the Cardinals and they lost. And as far as the other one, the two MVP candidates, Rodgers and Brady, I'd like to see it again. I'd love to see them play to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, both of them, two of the, Brady, the greatest quarterback in history, and Rodgers, one of the best. Rodgers will still be talking about his little toe injury, which he can't quit talking about. And I hope it comes down to them because it's the most intriguing story in the NFL if you had them to go to the Super Bowl instead of Kyler Murray and Matthew Stafford. Of of Murray or Stafford, who do you trust more? 
boy, Stafford, because of experience and everything he's been through, and I think he has a better offensive line. I think he has a better running game. And uh, But Murray, man, Kyler Murray can do things running that nobody else can do. I've seen that since he was in high school, Texas, started A&M, started Oklahoma, and there's not a more elusive player in the league. He'd probably make a great receiver and a great scat back in the old days when you could have a running back that size. But I still like Stafford. He's got so much to play for. To go from Detroit to the Rams to be playing for Sean McVay with a lot of talent at the skill positions, uh, I just would put more stock in the Rams right now. And they proved it last night. John, Cincinnati is currently ninth. Denver is 10th. Bengals at Broncos this weekend. Loser is seven and seven. You think losers probably out of the picture? Paul, I think that, but I think at this point we've learned that anybody, the, either one of those teams loses, got a chance to come back. I think the Bengals, because Joe Burrow is playing so well, that the Bengals would have the best chance to come back. Denver has the best defense. Cincinnati has the best offense, but I don't trust the Broncos quarterbacks and situations like clutch time for the playoffs and Broncos may win that game because it's in Denver. I'm sure they want bad weather and wind and snow to try to affect Joe Burrow. The Bengals are a mystery right when you think they're ready to take off and become an elite team. They stink it up and drop back. But that, I tell you what, they see North top to bottom, you know, each, if each of us had to pick a team to win it, we might all pick a different team, especially since Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' offense has not been good, averaging 16.7 points over the last five games, and now he's battling an ankle injury, and we don't know for sure if he'll play or not. John McClain with us. You can follow him on Twitter, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. We've just scratched the surface with the NFL headlines, with what Brady and the Bucks did with the Bills, leading 24-3. to The Bills come back to tie that game. It goes into overtime. We'll discuss Josh Allen and the Bills at 7-6 and six coming up. Uh, we'll take a glance at the Chiefs as well uh, because John, like everyone, high on Kansas City, will compare them to the other teams that they could potentially face along the way uh, across the top of the AFC. That and much more, all straight ahead on OutKick 360. John McClain with us. He's with TexasSportsNation.com, Cron.com. He's with the Houston Chronicle. He's covered the NFL for nearly five decades. You can follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. John, what did you make of the dismantling of the Chiefs over the Raiders? Just a, a total annihilation. 48-6, to six, the final score. Uh, and it was a... I mean. It, people would say it's not even that close when you watch that game. Well, the moral is of the story is don't go out and do something on the opposing team's logo, which is pretty stupid to begin with. Chiefs shouldn't need any extra motivation playing the Raiders, considering that rivalry in AFC West. I have the Chiefs as the best team in the NFL over anybody in the NFC because in their last six games, they've won them all. They're giving up. 10.7 points a game. We've never seen an Andy Reid defense play this well, and Patrick Mahomes still not playing great, 
and I expect him at some point to break out of what is a slump for him. But I think the Chiefs are great and the Raiders are awful. When I watch Derek Carr, I'm thinking, now that's another team that ought to be interested in Deshaun Watson. He would light up Las Vegas. Well, the Raiders, uh, looking at the trends, they are 13-24 and over the last five years after the eighth game of the season. They have to figure out why they drop off midway through the season. They start hot, and then they fall off, and that is a routine now. And to me, that starts with quarterback play and consistency up front. And that's the good point. You know, they had a good offensive line, and then they dismantled it after last season. I'm not sure why. John Gruden, of course, was in charge. Now they're going to need a new head coach. Mike Mayock, there's no guarantee he'll be back as a general manager. And Mark Davis looks like he's just going to have to start over. And Derek Carr, I tell you what, you know, they I'd be real surprised if he's back next season. I think they got to get another quarterback because people are not going to be real fired up. And the truth is, if that team is not competitive, the bloom will be off the Las Vegas Rose. Fans from other teams will still go watch their teams, but people in Las Vegas are not going to be spending their hard-earned money to watch the Raiders if they're not competitive. And right now, they aren't. Let's stay on the West Coast uh, with uh, with Seattle, who you saw firsthand this, this weekend, John. Um, was there any talk pregame, postgame with just media members that you know or, or anyone involved with the organization behind the scenes about Russell Wilson's future there? Oh, yeah. Everybody's wondering about it. You know, his agent says things publicly. He never, he says every, all the right stuff. But there's a lot of people think, you know, that team, It's I think it's the first time they've had a losing record since 2011. And you know uh, it was inevitable. And they may finish strong. Uh, Rashad Penny, their running back, had two long touchdown runs. And first time in his career he's done that. And I know Pete Carroll said he deserves to start. Their defense, which is terrible, uh, limited the Texans to one touchdown. But everybody's talking about that and talking about what does Russell Wilson want to do. And so, well, he's been around a long time. He's 33. Quarterbacks now played their 40. He's made no bones about it. He wants to play until his 40s. So they're not totally rebuilding but most people are wondering where there's smoke, there's fire. Last off season, when all that came out about him wanting to be gone and teams that he would agree to go to, I think it's going to be another controversy after the season. So uh, potential quarterback movement this off season. I know we kind of braced for a big one last year. Didn't quite get what we expected, but Aaron Rodgers could be on the move here. Deshaun Watson should be on the move here. And uh, the, the, the hope in league circles would be that his, his legal stuff is cleared up. Um, Russell Wilson, we just talked about, could be on the move here. You think Derek Carr could be washed out in, in Vegas, and he would be attractive to, yeah. to some teams on the move here. Just those four guys alone, I might be leaving somebody else out, would create a heck of a veteran marketplace pre-draft and maybe during the 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 period before trades could happen uh what what would you think about quarterback shuffling of that degree well another one that i'm keeping a close eye on is daniel jones of the giants they're going to have a new general manager maybe a new coach and would they be interested in sean watson coming to the big apple and would he approve going to there but uh and they've got two right now be two high draft choices that would be very 
enticing. And with Jones, you know, he has not been worth the sixth overall pick. I believe that's what he was. Yep. He's hurt again. And so I remember when uh, they drafted him, everybody's like, what, who, where? So there's going to be a quarterback shuffle again. I, I, you know, as far as Aaron Rodgers, I thought it would be 2023 before he could walk away. By then, he's going to be like 39. But uh, would a team sacrifice multiple first-round picks to get Aaron Rodgers and what would be left to put around him? And there's certain teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks. For sure, Carolina and Denver, those were two of the ones most interested in Deshaun Watson. So was Philadelphia, but they – he ruled them out. Not sure about Miami with Tua Tungvaloa, but Pittsburgh, Seattle, uh, possibly Green Bay. And it's not a great year for quarterbacks. There's nobody targeted where everybody goes, aha, they got to have that guy. That's not going to be till next year when Bryce Young comes out like it was this year with Trevor Lawrence. So that might make veterans even more attractive. John, you, you mentioned uh, Daniel Jones. He hasn't been good. But may God have mercy on the soul of any quarterback behind that offensive line for the Giants because he's out with structural damage in his neck. Mike Glennon just came back after missing what felt like a month with a concussion after getting just lit up in backup duty. Um, I don't care who you put behind that Giants offensive line. They are atrocious, and their quarterbacks are getting lit up. And it's amazing to me because they have dedicated money and free agency yes. and high draft choices to try to fix that line, and they've I'm guessing they've changed coaches, but it's amazing how bad it's been the last few years. And that's one reason Saquon Barkley has not lived up to the hype when he came into the NFL and then suffered that knee injury. But they have got to get it fixed up front when they bring in a new GM to replace Gettleman. That should be one of his that should be one of his priorities, if not the priority. John Everyone was high or stayed high on Buffalo despite some losses because of their defense. Uh, but as, as you take a look at what has happened with their defense uh, as of late, where they're giving up 488 yards to Tampa, uh, 222 rushing yards to New England when everyone knew the Patriots are going to run it on literally what felt all but three plays. They ran the football. The, the Colts put up 41 points on that Buffalo Bills defense. For the discussion about the offense and, and Josh Allen and whether or not they can't run the football, all of a sudden, the NFL's top defense halfway through the season looks like uh, you know Swiss cheese with, with how they're playing as of late in some very impactful games to their overall record where we could potentially see the Bills slip out of, of postseason contention. I don't think that's going to happen with their schedule because they have Atlanta and Carolina coming up. Plus, I think they have a game with the Jets. Um, but still, th this is not a playoff team that's going to make some big run. And they were a Super Bowl contender in everybody's book. Now that book's closed. One thing that I've been watching is Sean McDermott, the head coach, has been critical of the last two games of offensive coordinator Brian Dyball. And I think he could get fired after last year. He was supposed to be one of the hot head coaching candidates. And they also brought back defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier, who finished second here to David Culley. And I tell you, when McDermott's critical of the offense, and he should be, they didn't hand a ball to a running back until 11 minutes were left in the third quarter. That is preposterous. Having Josh Allen run as much as he does, at some point, 
Now, it could be this year, it could be next year. At some point, that's going to, he's going to pay a price with that because he's a big target and he runs a lot and he takes a lot of hits. But if they can't run the ball better and sooner, they're not going to be a legitimate Super Bowl team and they might not make the playoffs. And right now, they're not good on either side of the ball. And I know people up there in shock because they had such high hopes for the Bills after last season, as we all did. Well, Josh Allen's got the turf toe issue, and he's their leading rusher. I mean, that, that's one thing. If he's just a statue in the pocket, he could play through it. I think this is going to affect him more than the average quarterback. Absolutely. Maybe he'll have to learn how to stay in the pocket, but they don't have anybody else that can carry the ball. And if they thought they could, they wouldn't be waiting to give the ball to a running back for 11 minutes. We're left in the third quarter. I've never seen anything like that. Titans are poo-pooing this as, as any team would. Ryan Tannehill obviously getting sacked a ton. Um, you know, and they're praising his toughness and his guile, uh, you know, part of the job, all of that stuff. Uh, do, you, do you believe, though, that cumulatively, at least on some psychological level, when a quarterback's getting taken down at the rate that somebody like Tannehill's getting taken down on, it's got a bearing? and how he's processing information, what he expects to happen, and all of that. I think that's there's no way that could not be the case. Not having Derrick Henry back there is make a huge difference. Not having A.J. Brown back there is a huge difference. Julio Jones, you know, eh. And so I'm wondering, are his guys getting open? Uh, can he just throw it to a spot and hope that Brown goes up and uses that enormous strength to come down with it? And uh, he certainly doesn't have the stats, but man, oh man, they got to get some of those guys back. If he could just get the the, if he could just get Brown back, and and I, I, you know, everybody's wondering, will Derrick Henry be back this season? Will he play the last game against the Texans to tune up for the playoffs? But Tannehill's stats are certainly down, and uh, as far as hits taking a toll, I think that happens with just about every quarterback. And some learn how or get people around him to avoid that. But uh, I don't know if he's been like this since he was with the Dolphins. John, the the quarterback that's leading his team to the NFL postseason currently that's not getting talked about enough is Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if we just mentioned him as part of the quarterback movement, but the assumption was prior to the season that that would happen in 2022 with Trey Lance being drafted where he was and how San Francisco traded away picks future picks to move up and get him. But Garoppolo is winning games right now for Shanahan's team out in San Francisco. And if he leads them to the postseason and and it plays the way he's been playing as of late, where he's six for six in overtime, getting the ball to George Kittle, it's hard to move on from a quarterback that wins football games for you. It is difficult, but Kyle Shanahan loves Trey Lance. Jimmy G's putting a lot of good stuff on tape, which I'm guessing the 49ers like because they think, okay, in this year with not good quarterbacks in a draft and veteran player movement, maybe they thought going into the season they get like a five. Now they think they may get a conditional three. But you, I just don't see them having Trey Lance sit around for another season and bringing Jimmy G back. You got to strike while you're hot. He's hot. This is the offseason to trade him because everybody knows when you invest three number ones in a quarterback, uh, you're going to play it. How much do you think the Bears are willing to invest in Justin Fields? And and I asked that, John, about the next head coaching move 
with the Bears. Matt Nagy probably going to be out at season's end. They're going to go a different direction at GM as well. Do they hire an offensive guy that can groom a quarterback? Do you feel like the confidence level in fields right now is to the point where they're going to base everything around making him their franchise quarterback? Jadlack, based on what they invested in him, they better. You know, usually you go offensive to defense. You go hardliner to a player's coach. But in this case, Matt Nagy came from Kansas City. That's when people have to be very careful about Andy Reid head coaches. Andy Reid calls all the plays. So even though he can praise his guys like crazy, they've never been in that situation. And and so Nagy, I'm guessing, like Doug Peterson, another Reid protege, that he'll be out if Ryan Pace, the GM, is out. You know, there was that report that Trace Armstrong was talking to him, but, you know, that report was by Paul's close friend and Christmas card buddy, Jason Lockin for us, so we know so it's, it's not false. true. And uh <laughs> and uh he uh uh yeah. And so I don't I don't I see them starting over with a football guy and having an offensive coach who's had success with quarterbacks. They can't bring in the defensive coach who has to go get a coordinator. They need a they need a good quarterback coach. And they need a good head coach on the offensive side of the ball because he's their future. And right now, they are the worst passing team in the NFL. They are the team that's keeping the Texans from being last in yards, points, rushing, and passing. And you're rooting for them to uh, to improve in all those things because you want that sweep. You've told us about it in the past. We talked about the hat the, trick. those <laughs> those veteran quarterbacks potentially coming uh, coming free or being available by trade. And you mentioned the uh, you know nobody great being in the draft. McShay happens to have a, a mock draft out today. I think his first, and he's got no quarterback until twelfth with Kenny Pickett going to the Steelers. And 13 with Matt Corral going to uh, the football team. Um, we know quarterbacks tend to get hot and rise, and whether they're worth it or not, somebody tends to go high, uh, higher than he deserves. Uh, what would you think of a draft where the league collectively determined no quarterback to be worth anything higher than the, than the 12th pick? Good chance of that, Paul. Remember when E.J. Manuel – was the only quarterback taken in the first round, and that was a reach so bad he was quickly out of the league after Buffalo did that. But I think with Kenny Pickett, they're going to like him because of all the years he's been a starter. And then somebody's saying, oh, my goodness, he's got small hands. The only time we ever hear about a quarterback's hands is around combine time. I never in the season hear somebody go, man, he threw that interception because his hands were small. Or he keeps fumbling because his hands are small. But he does have small hands, and we will hear about it. But, man, coaches love his experience. Matt Corral, I hope, has a terrible sugar bowl, <laughs> but then does really well after the sugar bowl and gets drafted somewhere like that. But right now, based on everything we've seen, I'm guessing that's right. But would the Steelers reach on a quarterback just because he's from Pitt? I don't think so. I think they're too smart. It's hard to believe that there would not be a team that would trade up and chase a quarterback, though. They always do. earlier than twelve, no matter who's available, right? I, I, whether he's worth it or not, right? I think that that that's that's what's hard to believe, John. We'll start seeing after the Senior Bowl practices. 
man his quarterback and wing it. This guy did this. This guy did that. And then, and then when we get to the combine and the quarterbacks are out there throwing the receivers with no pressure, no coverage, then they're going to, wow, look at that throw. Then at their pro days, people are going to be blown away. And then after their private workouts and they have dinner with these teams, all of a sudden their stock's going to go up. And I've been saying for decades, if you just based it on the tape you saw in college, could they do a worse job than they do now? I'm guessing no. I'm not remembering if you went to the Super Bowl last year. The teams, again, are not going to the venue. They won't be at SoFi or in Los Angeles until it sounds like Saturday before the game, which in a lot of ways makes it uh, just just another game in terms of the fanfare leading up to it. I did not, and I won't. What I'm worried about, Paul, is the combine. That's my favorite event of the offseason other than the draft, and I'm worried that uh, they're not going to bring them in a big room and have us crowding around them and interview them, especially with this late outbreak. I think uh, it may be all Zooms, and it's certainly not the same. But then again, nothing is in the NFL right now because of COVID-19. John, um uh, the story that I'm reading from Barrett Sports Media, but it's through the Sports Business Journal, where teams have submitted their their own individual bids for international television rights and distribution. Um, everyone's fighting over Mexico, but they they're they're saying that the league believes there's an extra 50 million fans out there that teams are trying to acquire. For instance, uh, the Rams have submitted a bid to own Australia, for lack of a better way to describe it. They want Australia, and they want Mexico. Canada, uh, the Seattle Seahawks submitted a bid for rights to Canada distribution. The Rams submitted for the rights to China. Uh, Germany, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, New England, and Carolina all have submitted bids for rights to Germany. I'm fascinated because there's nine teams who submitted bids for these international market assignments. Where's everybody else? And... Yeah, and, and there are several teams. The majority of the, the, the league did not submit a bid, including Houston, which I thought would be a given for Mexico. Well, Mexico belongs to the Cowboys and the Raiders. I've been down there to cover two games. Cowboys especially. Cowboys have marketed down there for decades. Been on radio down there. And, uh, you know, almost every team has Spanish-language broadcast. And I was down there for Texans-Raiders game. I was amazed, not just Raider fans who came down from Oakland, and but I was amazed at how many fans down there were wearing their Raiders gear. And and China is the place I'd want to go. I want to go to Asia. And the other thing was when the uh, World Football League was uh, NFL Europe, Germany was always a big, big NFL country because there were so many uh, bases, American bases there. Plus, there were a lot of people who lived there, expats, and, and been there for generations since World War II. So if I had to pick out a country in Europe, Germany is by far the one I'd want. And, of course, I'd want China and Mexico. Those are the three main ones. Canada, it's a good market, but they don't have as many people. And they've been such an NFL country anyway. When I used to cover hockey up there, I was always amazed how they love the NFL more than the CFL. But then when you watch the product, you you certainly understand. John, I'm glad you brought up Germany. Perfect segue. Mike Reese uh, in a tweet says that Robert Kraft brought Jakob Johnson 
out today to honor him with a game ball for being just the third player in international pathway program history to play a thousand snaps. Jacob Johnson played at University of Tennessee now with the Patriots and then Kraft promised a special birthday announcement with Jakob Johnson tomorrow, to which Mike Reese said, probably a game in Germany coming up with the New England Patriots is going to be the announcement with the German-born player coming back tomorrow for a special announcement, which ties in perfectly to what you're talking about, Germany being the next destination to bring games for the NFL. Oliver Luck, who was president and general manager of the Frankfurt team in NFL Europe, used to tell me about how great the fans were there and all the wild promotions he could do over there that you could never do in the NFL. And his success with the Frankfurt team, they named him the executive director of NFL Europe. So he had so much knowledge. And he said, if we ever put a franchise anywhere in England, it's got to be in Germany. So Patriots will go over there, they'll take him, and it'll be a big celebration. And that is very smart NFL course pretty good at marketing. John McClain joins us each Tuesday here on the show. You can follow him at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Read his work at TexasSportsNation.com. John, thank you as always. Enjoy NFL Week 15. We'll recap it with you next week. Jonathan, Paul, and Chadillac, you guys enjoy it too. Thank you. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to you guys and all your listeners and viewers. Yep. Same to you, John. John. Thank you, John. John McClain of the Houston Chronicle with us each Tuesday. Love having him a part of the show each week. I'd like to talk more about that international stuff. If I'm any team, I would plant the well, flag or seek to plant the flag anywhere I could. Anywhere. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated I'm by I'm claiming the, random neutral I'm, countries. I'm confused by why, you know, for instance, the randomly the Bears wanted Spain. Or the like, Rams could well, claim China. Well, the Titans become Belgium's team. Well, the I Titans mean, aren't listed. There's only nine teams that's, uh, of the 32 well, clubs that, that made a right. bid. The point I'm making is... Planting your flag can anywhere. every team claim, claim sovereignty over a European country and just go down the list of where you're going to be that country's team. I would think the country would get to choose the team instead of the team choosing the country. Oh, no, no, no. The NFL chooses, Paul. <laughs> yeah, it's the all, NFL always chooses. All about television distribution. We'll, we'll be deciding what team you'll be right. watching here in this country. Coming up, though, we, we have to Luxembourg? discuss. Luxembourg? No, 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 no. You'll be watching the Jags from here on out. We have to discuss what's going on with COVID-19 across the NFL and the NHL because we just made it through a college football season where not one peep across the Power Five was made about COVID-19 and postponing games or putting players Cal. aside. Cal was the one place to cancel a game, to move a game. That was not up. one game impacted. Uh, and, and now, you know, you've got up, upwards of 60 players over the last 24 hours that are going to be placed on the COVID-19 reserve list across the NFL uh, where they're, te- they're testing uh, asymptomatic players who are popping positive. Um, and in the NHL, it's even worse. But you have a goalie for the Nashville Predators who has the flu and is allowed to travel on the same private flight with the team. It's all bizarre, and I'm going to ask the question, what are we doing with all these policies in place when I can go down the street to a packed house at Bridgestone Arena and watch a concert and then show up the next morning at an NFL venue? Outkick 360 rolls on. Outkick 360 rolls on. Something, uh, I wish uh, Riggins were still in here. They've got a golden retriever puppy here at 6th and Peabody today. Livens up the entire venue. Chad, 
got Riggins. up and stayed in the corner. He said, No, Chad got up. Chad, Chad uh, who Chad doesn't like dogs, he, he doesn't like dogs, doesn't prefer dogs. However, there's no fear. However, he loves golden retrievers. I don't, I don't weird. love dogs more than people. I do like dogs. As you saw, I it's got not up the way and pet. you couched it. I was a very day. good dog, very well behaved. That's not what you did to the uh, neighbor's dog one time. Remember, when I no, <laughs> it was my dog who was poisoned with antifreeze uh, multiple times. I had two dogs murdered by neighbors. Oh, maybe I wasn't by doing you? the I wasn't doing the dog murder. What happened to that mastiff next door? That mastiff disappeared. I think a, a separate neighbor may have off that one. Remember when I was quieting the mailman's dog on the phone, and you were kind of turning the sound down on your earphones because you didn't like the growling. Can we quiet COVID protocols, please? There's my segue to Hutton. Yeah, thank what you. you're about to say. Well, I mean, so 31 other uh, players as of today across the NFL have been placed on the COVID-19 reserve list. Um, the locally here, Des Fitzpatrick for the Titans. Uh, the Vikings have four. Chris Jones the, for the Chiefs probably not playing Thursday night. Now. The Rams with Odell Beckham Jr., who scored a touchdown last night, is placed on the COVID-19 reserve list today. They knew they had a flight with it on yeah. it, and they closed their facility today. Yes. They didn't go back to work. So I'm, I'm at, and the NHL is even worse because they're actually having to postpone games, including what's going to happen with the Nashville Predators, uh, where they have multiple uh, – I don't know if it's COVID-19 positive, but but multiple players in COVID protocol uh, and at least a coach, I believe, according to reports, they play on Thursday night. Nothing's been announced yet, but we have seen it across the NHL with teams like Calgary, uh, the Islanders, and Ottawa. I've all seen games uh, postponed. And NBA stars are missing time due to these protocols. Um, but my question is, why is this happening? Because we, and I'm just, I'm, I'm, I don't have a good answer on the the testing policy, but you know, for instance, the Carolina Hurricanes, one of their reporters is saying, "Hey, stop panicking! Not a single player among this COVID outbreak is sick in any way. They just tested positive." What's the point? But UC Soros for the Predators has the flu and travels along this lo- ro- long road trip with the entire team. But the player who has tested positive for the Preds has to drive back to Nashville from wherever they were. I, I don't understand the policies that are in place and why they continue to test asymptomatic players when we just made it through a college football season where even you know those who hate the, the game of football that they cover, uh, like Dan Wolken, uh, doesn't bring up the fact that we didn't have any major issues with COVID-19 through the college football season and won't as we get to the college football playoff. Well, we're defying logic around every around every corner because th- th- no one asked the question, well, is he okay when this happens? Because everyone is fine. And, and now I-, I feel like with what we're learning about Omicron, the-, the-, the new variant and how mild it is, and I'm I'm taking this directly from the CDC, what they're saying about there are no reported cases right. of it being severe. It's basically the common cold at this point, the new variant. Yet you have Cornell University, who 30 minutes ago announced that they're shutting down their campus because they have 469 active student cases. Cornell University, who's got a vaccination mandate, every student, every faculty member on campus is vaccinated. They have 469 active cases of the Omicron variant. And in their announcement, they say abundance of caution, even though we've seen no severe illness with this. So why? Someone help explain this to me. Then, then why are you shutting down campus where we have not shut things down in the past when there's a cold outbreak and 
again, reading directly from the CDC, looks an awful lot like the cold when you look at the new Omicron variant in terms of symptoms and what's happening. And this isn't a population that's 100% vaccinated. So we've, we've removed logic from a lot of these decisions. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you've got a highly vaccinated population and nobody's sick... Which is the NFL and the NHL. Yeah, yeah. it's over 94%. But it's affecting right? games, and in this case, it's affecting the preparation for games in the NFL, at least to this point. I'm just asking why they're going about the policy the way it, it, it's in place if it's keeping players out of the facility either way. I, it's just, just a question I have because I don't think that it's going to affect the bottom line for the league long-term. More coming on Outkick 360.